Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. everybody time once again for the silver bullets podcast i am michael citro and i'm chip minnick chip we are down to our final show before our first preview game preview show we've made it It, we've we've made it through the through the long difficult slog of the off season football college football will be officially back this coming saturday granted ohio state's not one of the participants But even so, we've got Big Ten football on Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening. Right. We're going into week zero. We're coming off week negative one. (laughs) uh, Here we go. Um, Let us let us start by talking about a couple of uh, injuries, which uh, are never fun to talk about. And one of them, we did not make it very long, uh, Chip, on this one. Cameron Babb has already had a setback. Yeah, uh, very unfortunate from what I have been able to gather. It's a kind of thing where it is a setback that is going to hold him out for a few weeks, but not for the full season. So um, like you said, it's a setback. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. I mean, the poor young man has been through an awful lot. Uh, You know, if anything, I'm certainly optimistic that the coaching staff and the training staff are going to do everything possible to not rush Cameron Babb back into the field of play because I think everyone wants to see him on the field and catching a pass and, you know, contributing, you know, we talked about it last week, the fact that he was, he was voted a captain twice without ever actually stepping on the field. Mm-hmm. Ohio State speaks volumes about his, what, what his teammates think about him at the block. So, o shirt and everything. The block, yeah. The block zero. I mean, I mean, it's quite impressive, uh, you know, for somebody who hasn't contributed on the field as of yet. So like yeah. I said, I'm hoping that, uh, 
and I'm, I, I trust that the coaching staff as well as the training staff are going to do everything possible to make sure that they don't rush him back into field of play. You know, maybe they've been too cautious in the past. Maybe they should rush him back. Rub some dirt on it, you know? Yeah, because it's it's not working. The other thing's not working. Was he ever, Chip, was he ever healthy enough in high school to have uh, earned this scholarship? Well, he 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 absolutely <laughs> was. I mean, it's just, it's just it seemed as though, like, after his junior year, because if and memory serves correctly, what I seem to recall was – it was going into his senior year or midway through his senior year or something like that when he first started having injuries. And then when he came to Ohio state, it just has been a succession of injuries. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, he obviously did enough to warrant the high degree of interest from Ohio state as well as other programs around the country. So, um, and kind of what I just said, you know, the fact that he's made a positive impact in terms of leadership contributions to the program, um, that, you know, obviously the, the Buckeyes are truly hoping that he'll be able to contribute as an on-field participant this coming season. Yes, get well soon. And, uh, you know, I don't know what we can do. Can we use bubble wrap? Is there something we can do? So, uh, let's just, yeah, let's just positive thoughts right now. Can we put him in that machine that Wolverine got put into and oh wow, transformed? <laughs> you know, do we have adamantium that we can use? Something. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we can. <laughs> Uh, another injury that we need to talk about that really I didn't want to talk about is Evan prior season ending injury. Very unfortunate simply because he was definitely being looked upon as the number three running back. Uh, I mean, it was the kind of thing where, you know, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, okay, Evan Pryor was going to play. I, I can't yeah. sit here. I can't sit here and say, Oh, you know, he was going to get 10 carries a game. I, I mean, it would be very premature of me to, you know, try to identify like how much of a role he was going to have, but he was going to have a role uh, in the spring game as somebody who was there. Uh, you know, it, he definitely looked impressive in the limited times he played last year as a true freshman was impressive. And I think that the coaching staff was truly looking to, to establish him as part of the offense. When you combine the fact that not only Evan Pryor, has been injured and now he's out for the season. Throw in the fact that Marcus Crowley had to retire due to injury uh, this this offseason, mm-hmm. as well as the fact that Master Teague declared early for the NFL draft. You know, like the the offensive backfield doesn't have nearly the depth uh, that you would have thought. You know, in light of you know Evan Pryor's injury. You know, so now I mean, it, it, if anything, it's it's definitely the kind of thing where. Um, you know, I think Mayan Williams workload is going to be in, increasing. And I know we're going to be talking about Dallin Hayden here in a few moments. Yeah. And, uh, we've seen that Chip Trianum has uh, gotten some, some reps at running back as well. I'm hoping, and this is just me selfishly hoping that when you talk about, you know, kind of like the bubble wrap, um, <laughs> you know, and things like that, uh, I'm selfishly hoping for Chip Trianum that he is not called upon as a running back simply because, and this is not meant to disparage uh, him in any way, shape or form. He was, he was one of those players like still chambers who made the transition from running back to linebacker. Mm -hmm. And as we have known and seen as it related to Cade Stover, having to bounce back and forth between 
you know, defense and offense. And now he's back on offense again. You know, it's like, it seemed as though, okay, you know, like, what are you doing to the long-term, you know, in terms of like the long-term future possibilities for the player when you don't allow them to settle into the one position. Um, so I understand the the coaching staff logic because yeah, Chip Traynham was a starting running back at Arizona state the last few years. It makes sense. Um, I would, I would have, if it was me, but again, there's a reason why I am not on the, on the coaching staff and the other men are, um, I would have, I would have probably thought of moving Xavier Johnson, who's a backup wide receiver who played running back in high school already knows the offense to, you know, try to, because in, in just, this is just me hypothesizing here that when we talk about Evan Pryor, the style of runner that he is and the kind of physical build that Xavier Johnson possesses are, are comparable. And that's not mm-hmm. to, you know, again, like it would be kind of almost like a similar type of a playing style p- potentially. Um, but again, they, they have their reasons. And like I said, I think uh, if anything, it's just going to increase the workload for Dallin Hayden. Yeah, I think you're right. So where do we stand as uh, of now with the, what are your four? If you're going four deep in the depth chart, who, who do you think? What, what do you think of that one? Well, yeah, I, I mean, like you've got Henderson, mm-hmm. Mayan Williams, Dallin Hayden is number three. So we can we can say as of, uh, I guess you could say like, you know, going into the Notre Dame game, um, you know, like the possibility that Dallin Hayden was only going to play four games. I think that's been pretty much eliminated. Uh, I think he's going to, he's definitely going to earn, um, you know, he's going to uh, earn his freshman season, uh, you know, as a contributor. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, like, you know, trusting the coaching staff. Yeah. Chip Tranum has to probably be number four. If that's, if that's to be believed. Yeah. Well, uh, that brings me to my next item of business. And that is, Ryan Day, super liar. <laughs> he said, uh, Ryan Day said that he expects the Bucks to be healthy week one. Well, we already know that's not true. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, like, I think everybody, I mean, like the week one opponent, we've talked about it last week. Like Notre Dame has, has suffered, you know, injuries in their wide receiver room. I think every team, you know, right now is especially when you're on the on the the verge of the college football season, you're just kind of hoping and praying. I, I know we joked about the whole bubble wrap thing, but it's like, okay, let's just get through this next, you know, like these next few practices with without any without any injury, and and then now we're into you know game week, and obviously we all know play, uh, players get hurt during the course of a game. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a kind of thing where I think Ohio state, I, I, I think when we're talking about, okay, your number three running back is out for the season. I mean, like there are some, some places that, okay, like they're like, we were just talking about Notre Dame, you know, potentially like they're starting wide receiver out for the season. So I think a lot of schools are not going to necessarily be crying a lot of a lot of tears for Ohio state in terms of their injury issues that they're facing right now. Well, I think that's wrong of them. I think they should be crying too. <laughs> so, you know, they're just a bunch of jerks. Uh, let's go to the black stripe watch chip. Uh, we just talked about young Dallin Hayden, who is uh, impressing the coaching staff. He gets his black stripe off, but before that happened, 
Tight end Zach Herbstreet gets his black stripe removed. Caleb Brown, wide receiver, freshman wide receiver, uh, removed the black stripe. Kion Grays, another freshman wide receiver. Then Dallin Hayden and Jupe Mitchell. Now, those three, Grays, Hayden, and Mitchell, were all on the same day on the 20th. Uh, as as well as Kenyatta Jackson. So it was a black stripe extravaganza on August 20th. Yeah. Uh, it, what I think is kind of impressive as it relates to, you know, just looking at some of these individually, just kind of, you know, my thoughts, uh, you know, Caleb Brown is a player who came in in the summertime. So the fact that he was able to impress the, the coaches and, you know, his teammates, uh, to get that black stripe removed, you know, in the time that he's been on on campus and in and in the, the fall camp. Um, now we'll see. I mean, th- there is a pretty, you know, it's a, a pretty uh, stacked wide receiver room um, in terms of the depth chart. But, you know, like I think he'll fall into that category of at least like four games in some way, shape or form. Same thing with uh, Ken Grays, uh, who was, old, you know, he was here in the spring. Um, we talked about Dallin Hayden. I this is not meant to uh, disparage him. I, I think this might be okay. Uh, the necessity of <laughs> when we talk about with Evan Pryor, it's like, okay, yeah, you are ready to play. Um, you may not think you are ready to play, but you are ready to play. Uh, and he, I, I feel for him in the sense that, you know, a lot of the recruitniks, you and I are not in this category. Like a lot of people yeah. are just kind of, you know, didn't necessarily, you know, jump up and down in the same manner or fashion you know, as it related to like a Travion Henderson, for example, like he would definitely be, I guess, on the recruiting excitement scale would be more in line of like what, you know, like with Mayan Williams, that being said, Mayan Williams has definitely has demonstrated, at least to me, that he is, was certainly, you know, a worthy person to earn a scholarship to Ohio State and and was a tremendous contributor. Uh, so Dallin Hayden, I think we'll we'll see a lot more of him than we probably would have prior to Evan Pryor's uh, injury. And then as far as uh, Kenyatta Jackson on the defensive line, again, similar to Caleb Brown, he came in in the summertime. He's on the defensive line. Larry Johnson, I think uh, in the last week has basically said, you know, if it's up to him, he's going to rotate guys continually throughout. So It'll be it'll be interesting to see if Kenyatta Jackson is one of those guys that falls into the rotation because if he has the black stripe removed, in the eyes of the coaching staff and the eyes of his teammates, he's ready to contribute as a Buckeye. Yeah, congrats to all the young men who have become official Buckeyes. Uh, you, you're, I think you're giving me flashbacks to last year though when you used the word rotation on defense. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me let me uh, calm you down as well as our listeners. When uh, rotation on the defensive line is not a bad thing. No, rotation among the linebackers. Now, now, now we're getting into now we're getting into you know some some bad flashbacks. Uh, so, and from everything that I believe that Coach Knowles has said, he sounds as though he he pretty much wants to have a consistent core and it's it's certainly sounding more and more like steel chambers and tommy eichenberg are the guys it's not to say that we won't see you know some of the other people potentially chip trianum you know because i think he might have worked his way into that you know into that second group um and maybe a steel chambers backup uh but we'll see i i don't believe that we'll see a heavy rotation like we saw unfortunately last year uh you know with a different linebacking coach were you surprised at all to see 
uh, Chip Trianum getting reps at running back, but not hearing about Steel Chambers getting reps there? Um, yes and no, um, because obviously that they both played, you know, running back, you know, Steel Chambers in the sense that he did as well. I would guess, and this is just, you know, since you asked the question, this is just speculation on my part, is that Steel Chambers has been a little bit more entrenched into the linebacker room, um, more so than than Chip Trianum. I mean, it might be a little more, you know, recent. Um, that's not necessarily the most valid of reasons. Again, like I, in my estimation, I would have figured that, uh, you know, like I said, Xavier Johnson or some of the other players on the roster. I know that, and I know, you know, our listeners probably don't want to believe this, but there are walk-on players who are on the roster, like Xavier Johnson, for example, who just because they are a walk-on does not mean that they are not talented. These are young men mm-hmm. who chose to go and accept a walk-on role at Ohio State when they had scholarship offers at other schools. So getting to the to that point is that that they would possibly prefer to have chip train and versus you know, somebody who's been playing at that running back position, obviously it might just be more of a comfort level knowing that Chip Trianum has played running back at Arizona State and they might feel a little more comfortable at this point. All right. Well, you know, they've seen Steel Chambers carry the ball for the Buckeyes, so maybe that's why he's not doing it now. Maybe. I doubt it, though. I, I think I think that they see the future is bright for him at linebacker. I think that he, you know, he uh, – was he was recruited as an athlete uh, and they gave him the option to, to, you know, and he decided to play running back last year. He happened to see where he was on the depth chart and the coaching staffs said, all right, we will take you at linebacker. And again, I think it spoke volumes about, you know, the fact that he was able to rise up the depth chart so quickly last year and has emerged as a starter for 2022. All right. And I, is it, is it Kion or Keon Grays? Cause I'm, I believe it's Keon, but it, it okay. could be, I mean, I, I'd be, I have to, I have, I have to basically just in terms of <laughs> correct pronunciation. Hey, I'm still trying to still trying to get, I, I still say JTT and, you know, um, <laughs> Pele Niachi, and all that. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, well, I mean, it's preseason for everyone chips. So, it is exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm not great with pronunciations on a good day. My mouth, <laughs> my mouth doesn't like to work, which is why I'm a podcaster. Obviously that's, that's fine. <laughs> all right. One more thing we need to talk about is five players making a, uh, making preseason all American uh, lists for our, for the Associated Press. The first teamers were Jackson Smith and Jigba, Travion Henderson, and Paris Johnson Jr. And uh, second teamers, C.J. Stroud and Dewan Jones. Not a shock that there are no preseason defensive All-Americans for the AP because uh, they haven't seen these guys play yet, and they didn't play great last year. Right, and I would say, and this is... I don't want to say it's a surprise, but uh, Paris Johnson, let's face it. I mean, that recognition is being based on his high school accolades. Uh, you know, he, he played well out of position last year at guard for him to be named as a preseason all American when he ha- truly hasn't played his natural position his preferred position of left tackle. Uh, you know, I think, 
he certainly warrants that kind of consideration, but uh, you know, it's going to be, I think he's definitely going to be counted on heavily, you know, to, to be a linchpin of that offensive line. Yeah. Well, I think too, it's a good uh, barometer of what publications, what uh, outlets, what organizations to take seriously. Anyone that does not have Jackson Smith and Jigba as a first team, all American preseason, uh, probably you could just ignore everything they say all year. <laughs> exactly. And Travion Henderson, I know that the expectations are high, but I think the performance that he gave as a true freshman certainly warrants that that preseason All-American recognition. Yeah, he wasn't bad. He not wasn't. at all. All right, Chip, what do you want to talk about in terms of the new Big Ten media contract? Well, I realize that this is kind of as a tease because I'm going to be actually writing an article about the new Big Ten media uh, contract. You know, Ooh, coming, little self-promotion, coming, Chip. Little yeah, coming soon. Coming soon to, uh, uh, you know, land-grant Holy Land as of Friday. Um, I have some very specific thoughts. Uh, probably, you know, without giving away too much of the article, my, my first thought is that um, obviously this is, you know, when it comes to the financial ramifications of it, I mean, you know, like the numbers are still being bandied about. I mean, like there are some reports, 7 billion, 8 billion, oh, you know, what's a, what's a billion dollars between friends, I guess. But uh, the fact that the financial realities of this, that the schools themselves are going to be, you know, all of the, all of the schools, including USC and UCLA, when they come in, come into the conference in 2024 are going to be very well compensated. And I think uh, a credit to, and this is something that I, I think a lot of Ohio state fans and big 10 fans probably have a difficult time wrapping their heads around is credit to Kevin Warren for the negotiation of this contract for this simple reason is that it's a seven-year contract. By the time this contract is done, the Big Ten gets to go up to the trough again before the SEC, before the ACC. So they get to, I mean, they get to basically double dip and they are already making substantially more than either of those conferences. So yeah. to me, like that, the financial aspects of it, I think that's that's one thing that I think that that truly caught my eye. What do you make of the preliminary discussions from uh, Oregon reaching out to the Big Ten uh, to find out if they might be quote unquote compatible with the conference? I think this is a natural consequence of. Um, <laughs> of this contract. Let's, let's, let's be honest. I think yes. they, when they see numbers like that uh, and they know full well that the PAC 12 in its current state, regardless of if the, you know, if they expand, if they try to get teams from the ACC, whatever, I mean, there are so many rumors being bandied about, they know full well that the numbers aren't going to be nearly to the scope of what the big 10 would have to offer. Um, we talked about this on a previous podcast, you know, when it came to the additions of USC and UCLA, that, uh, you know, like that news, you know, at the end of June, um, I mean, when it was offered by John Wilner, it was not 
you know, it was not uh, debated. It was not argued about all oh, like, that's just a rumor, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was quickly picked up on. So I'm going to, I'm like you, I'm going to be anxious to see, all right, in the coming days and weeks, if this has any, has any legs. So right now it's right now it's still in the rumor stage. I mean, the USC and UCLA thing, I mean, that really, that really accelerated quickly. Um, but it does not surprise me at all that Oregon is interested in joining the Big Ten. And it goes back to, like I said a few moments ago, I think that it speaks to the lack of financial stability that the, the Pac-12 has to offer in comparison to the Big Ten. Yeah, so we'll have to see how this uh, shakes out, this report from Brett McMurphy of the Action Network, which is, sounds like it's about one half step removed from Action Six News, a name you can there you trust. Go. There you go. There you go. And Brett McMurphy, I mean, he has, you know, he is he is not held in high regard by Ohio State fans from years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think fairly so. Um, you know, because of you know, like it just seemed as though he had a personal vendetta against Urban Meyer. But yeah. um, the fact that you know, I it, it would not surprise me if Oregon has reached out, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, I think that they're doing their due diligence. And I think the big 10, you know, when it comes to this, I think that they are trying to keep all of their options open as it relates to other schools uh, that they feel, feel would be an ideal fit for the conference. Do you think chip that the big 10 has to take Oregon state, if they take Oregon, they, I mean, it's not like, it's not like Oklahoma state went to the sec with Oklahoma. Right. I, I don't think that Oregon State is is a viable option whatsoever. I think, unfortunately, it is uh, if if this gets carved up uh, with this, this being the Pac-12, if the Pac-12 gets carved up, I should say. Um, and I know that that sounds really harsh, but I think, you know, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, those are viable options for, uh, you know, for the for the Big Ten. I would see schools like Oregon State, Washington State, probably landing on their feet in the Mountain West, to be quite honest. I, I can't imagine, um, you know, like that would be, you know, like either of them, that, like there are certain demographics that I believe that the Big Ten is looking for, um, you know, as it relates to, you know, obviously USC and UCLA. Now you've cornered the, the Los Angeles market, uh, you know, like having Oregon, um, you know, again, you know, it's not necessarily um, on the high side of things as it relates to population, but what, guess what else, what else you get? You get Nike, uh, you, you know, you get yeah. another West Coast presence, uh, you know, and I think that's why, you know, it's like, I think they're being the, the Big Ten so far. I haven't, I haven't seen or read anything about the Big Ten denying interest. Kevin Warren said, you know, in, in terms, I think when the, when the contract was announced that expansion was still something that they would be exploring. So yeah, we they said they said nothing was imminent, but they were keeping other options open and, and exploring everything that might make sense for the conference. And that certainly feels like it might. And Colorado might also with, uh, I know they're in Boulder, but you still get some eyeballs from Denver there. Certainly. I mean, there, there's a number of different things that, you know, when it comes to, you know, like they, I think that they want um, not only the viewership, but they want, you know, well-regarded academic institutions. I mean, there are certain things that I think that fit the criteria. Mm-hmm. So 
it just remains to be seen, but it wouldn't surprise me if Oregon is one of those schools. I think they're trying to, they being the big 10 are trying to uh, be cautious, but by the same, by the same token, deliberate in their decision-making. Yeah. Coming soon, the big 10 East, the big 10 West and the big 10 really, really West. (laughs) Exactly. Very well said. (laughs) So um, before we get to our uh, big East predictions, last week we did the Big Ten West. We're going to talk about the Big Ten East this week. Anything else uh, related you want to talk to? You, you talk about you want to you want to discuss Urban Meyer's return to the Big Noon uh, Saturday broadcast. I well, I guess it, you know it's not a surprise uh, on a personal note. I this is something that I, I think it was probably expected after you know, the unfortunate way that his NFL career concluded. I would also on a personal note, I would hope that this would, if I was, if I was urban Meyer, if I had the opportunity to to switch places with him, I would take this as an opportunity to truly enjoy the, you know, the, the um, opportunity that the, the being on that pregame show offers. I can't imagine, you know, you know, like, a better uh, lifestyle for him. I'm sure, you know, being flown to and from Los Angeles, I'm sure on a private plane, uh, you know, talking about college football with, you know, his co-hosts, it's not, not necessarily the most difficult work, uh, you know, and I think, you know, at this stage in his life, I think, you know, this is, if it was me, if, if I could give him that advice, I would say just stay there and, and, and be happy with, with what you've got. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, whether you like him or not as a person, um, or what, no matter what you think of him as a person, he's actually pretty good at that. Oh, he's very good at it. Yeah. As a matter I, I, I'm not trying to take shots at Bob Stoops, uh, who filled his role last season. When Go ahead. Take some shots at Bob. <laughs> but, uh, I think the fact that, okay, the, the Fox sports, they made the decision. They made the decision. They wanted urban Meyer back in place of Bob Stoops, because I think as you, as you accurately stated, I think urban Meyer is very good at that role within the the college football pregame role. Yeah, I agree. All right. We're going to get to our big 10 East predictions. It's really the moment that you've all been waiting for. We're going to get to that right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back. Chip, the Big Ten East. Last week, you and I have decided that Wisconsin is winning the Big Ten West. So um, I really don't even see any point in them playing the games. Let's just uh, (laughs) send the Badgers to Indianapolis to wait. Um, But now we're going to do the Eastern Division of the Conference. I've got mine here. I'm going to do it the same way. We're going to go bottom to top. Okay. And uh, again, I I think there were a couple that I could have maybe flipped a coin on for the East. 
Uh, and the, the two at the bottom is one of those positions where I could have flipped a coin. Uh, what have you, uh, who do you have as your number seven finisher in the big 10 East? I'm going with Indiana. Uh, I believe that Indiana, I mean, it was, um, the, the job that Tom Allen did a couple years ago, you know, it seemed as though Indiana was, was kind of, uh, making their their slow move up into being more of a of a contender, and then last year, you know that that season opener, uh, you know at Iowa, I mean they got they got thumped. I mean it wasn't even a game, and they never recovered from it. And mm-hmm. the off season was for one thing, uh, they fired their offensive coordinator. Tommy Allen is now back calling. I mean it just seemed as though like there was just a massive reshuffling uh, necessary, but it, it seemed as though, okay, you know, they, they didn't win a game in the big 10. Uh, they went from being a, a new year's day bowl team to, you know, being two and 10. So I think Indiana is back at, at square one. Uh, you know, it's going to really be a test of Tom Allen's coaching and recruiting uh, to get a- a- Indiana back into bowl contention. Yeah. I also have Indiana at number seven. And the reason I'm I'm flipping a coin here on six and seven is because these two teams, as far as I know, they're still an ongoing quarterback battle. Indiana has uh, Jack Tuttle coming back, but also a, a transfer in from Missouri. And uh, uh, there's a, there's still, I believe at least I haven't seen it. Maybe you've seen something, but I believe that Greg Schiano hasn't named a starting quarterback yet for Rutgers. You, you, you're probably right. I, I tell you the truth. I, I, now that you mentioned it, I am kind of at a loss in terms of if I've seen anything on Twitter or any other social media platform about the starter, uh, because they Rutgers, yeah, at number six is was my was my selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been talking about this the last few years. My thoughts on Rutgers have not changed. Greg Schiano has made Rutgers better. They are more competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for Rutgers, they lost they, some players. They lost some players and they open up, you know, at Boston college, which, you know, when we, when we talk about, you know, not necessarily the most difficult, but, you know, like Rutgers and Boston college, I would say are pretty much in the same kind of talent level area, if you will. So going on the road, I think it's going to be extremely important for Rutgers, you know, last year, uh, you know, they finished, um, you know, five and seven, but, Due to COVID issues, they were actually extended a bowl bid. I see Rutgers as being still in that same kind of, you know, that, okay, that scrappy, tough. I mean, like they, let's face it, you know, like last year, they lost to Michigan by a touchdown. I mean, Ohio State blew them out, uh, Rutgers, that is. Mm. Uh, But Rutgers Rutgers is, you know, we've, we've talked about it the last few years. Rutgers is no longer the team that you, you know, could just, you know, put, you know, 40, 50 points on without breaking a sweat. I think, you know, this is the kind of program that I think the other big 10 East teams are going to find that it's, it's not necessarily the easiest game on their schedule anymore. Yeah. I was doing a little bit of Googling around and I, I couldn't find, not only could I not find a, you know, a situation where I saw where Shiano named a starter, but I also saw that when camp started, it, be, it turned two quarterback race into a three quarterback race, which is not <laughs> great. So, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it, for me that six and seven spot in the Big Ten East is going to come down to whose quarterback 
um, whoever wins the quarterback battle for those two teams does the better job, I think, because, you know, Rutgers lost um, Bo Melton and Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, they also had, um, you know, like a top linebacker. They just found out was, was rejected. His bid to come back was rejected by the NCAA Singleton. And they're, they're trying one more, you know, roll of the dice to try to get him reinstated, but there's no guarantee he's back. Uh, I believe Greg Schiano's got a new uh, defensive coordinator there this year as well. And Rutgers should be hard to beat, uh, at least for, for many of the teams on their schedule. They're going to be a difficult out, but I don't know if they're going to be able to uh, to put a scare into Michigan again this year. I, I think Rutgers takes about at least a half a step back because of some of the talent that they've lost, and uh, they're going to have to gear up, have another good recruiting class, maybe go get some transfers out of the portal. And um, they're going to vie for maybe a five or six win season. If they can get to six and get to a bowl game, that's good. Hopefully they'll get an invitation more than eight days before the game this time and, uh, and be able to actually prepare. And, uh, uh, but at least they made it. And, and, you know, Rutgers wasn't going to a bowl game uh, before Greg Schiano took over that uh, program. And so it's, it's good to see that he's got them sort of on the right path. And he's a guy who knows how to take that program to a, I won't say a great spot, but a respectable uh, position in, in college football. I, I don't see them getting back to where they were unless they can go out and find some of the talent that they had, you know, before kind of elevated them to that next level to where they actually were, a, you know, on like a nine, 10 win team. I agree. Yeah, I think he's definitely improved the recruiting from the New Jersey standpoint. And, you know, not to minimize that, but for years, you know, it was the kind of thing where, you know, I'm I'm going back to his first, Greg Schiano's first tour of duty that, uh, you know, New Jersey was, was always right picking for, uh, for Penn State, you know, in terms of like the top players in this, in that area would go to Penn state. He was able to, in that first tour of duty, keep a lot of the the local talent home for him to play at Rutgers, which is like you said, like the nine wins, 10 wins that, that they had when Rutgers was in the big East, uh, you know, when Rutgers was, was, you know, much better. Uh, and then, you know, obviously Greg Schiano, when he left to go to the NFL and that didn't work out and, you know, it just seemed as though like the program fell apart. Everything that, that you and I have read, you know, we've had guests on that represent, you know, Rutgers, uh, you know, the different websites or blogs, mm -hmm. they've said, you know, that the, the New Jersey high school coaching, uh, by and large, you know, not, it's not unanimous, but it's pretty strong in terms of support of Greg Schiano and all indications are that he's doing a, a terrific job in enticing a lot of that New Jersey talent to stay home. To your point, are they ready to contribute, you know, right away? I don't know. I mean, it, it, it you know, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, that going on the road to Boston College, uh, you know, Jeff Halfley's doing a good job at Boston College. Like I, I said earlier, I think the talent levels are probably comparable. So I, I couldn't sit here and say, oh, yeah, that's a definite win or a definite loss, <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, when they have, uh, I think that they get to play, you know, Wagner. I'm just cheating here. Um, they play Wagner and they they play at Temple and they crushed Temple last year. You know, again, it comes down to 
you've got to you've got to do well in your non-conference and try to steal wins some way, some way, somehow against you know against a Maryland, against mm-hmm. an Indiana, against whoever you're matched up with in the Big Ten West to get to that magic six number. And I don't know if they're there yet, but I think that they're going to make it very difficult. Yeah. So uh, who do you have in the uh, Scarlet Shianos versus the Fighting Halfleys? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the the Fighting Halfleys just because of the the home field advantage. But mm-hmm. you know, watch. You know, I'm sure uh, Vegas could. You know, like one of our listeners could could say like what how Vegas has the sports line because those are probably out by now. And like I always tell people, the reason why. Uh, I, I choose not to to gamble with money, you know, is, you know, like the, that, like, if you ever go to Las Vegas, you ever notice, like, they're constantly building shiny buildings, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm not really good when it comes to gambling money, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, there's a lot of people that are like that. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see who, who emerges. Will it be uh, Noah Vedral? Will it be Gavin Wimsat or Evan Simon was the one that uh, kind of stuck his nose in there, I guess at the beginning of camp. So, so there's uh two quarterback races at the bottom of the big 10 East. I have a feeling we're both going to be unanimous again at number five, but go ahead and give me your number five. Okay. This was, this was tough just because they are improving as well. I'm going with Maryland here. All right. Did, yes. Okay. Did I throw we a are unanimous. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, cause there was that pause there. So I, I, so to kind of put that in context, uh, offensively, they're going to be Maryland, good. They are they're going to be, they're going to be fine. I mean, um, seven year starter Talia <laughs> Tonga Vailoa is back. Exactly. Yet again. And, uh, <laughs> they've yeah, got, I mean, they got really good wide receivers and yeah. yeah I, I, and they were able to score points last year. So I, I think Maryland will be again, the offensive side of the ball is going to be fine. It's just a matter of, can they fix their defense in order to take the next steps? Right. And the problem for Maryland, you know, as it is for a lot of, a lot of teams, uh, you know, it's like they're, they're strong offensively, but defensively that, you know, that's been, you know, that's been the issue. I mean, Ohio state, I don't know what it is uh, that Mike Laxley did to Ryan day, but man, it, I mean, like Ryan day certainly holds a grudge because I mean, when you think about, you know, since Ryan Day took over, I mean, Ohio State had that. We, we mentioned Urban Meyer in the previous segment. You know, that was, you know, like Ohio State escaped Maryland with a one point win uh, in Urban Meyer's last year in 2018. But ever since then, Ryan Day, I mean, you know, in 2019, now granted they didn't play due to COVID reasons in 2020. And then last year, uh, I mean, Ryan Day, I mean, it's it's basically, it's like, there, there is like something out of Cobra Kai, like no mercy, you know, it's like, there is just, uh, you know, something there. Um, but that being said, I mean, I think Maryland, they certainly have the ability to get to that six win. They did, you know, like they, they went to a bowl last year, uh, beat Virginia tech, um, you know, in the pinstripe bowl, they certainly have the, the talent offensively. It just re- remains to be seen if they can get things settled defensively to, to, mm-hmm move up into the big 10 East, but I have them at fifth new coordinator, Brian Williams, but they gave up 39 points a game last year. That's not going to get it done. No, it isn't. Not at all. 
So uh, Maryland at five, we are unanimous there. And now is where things get interesting as we head into the top four, Chip. Tell me who you got at number four. All right. All right. I think I, I, I'm not trying to, to, you know, be a contrarian here. I have Michigan State fourth. Okay. Did I diverge from you? Uh, we have our first disagreement. Yeah. Okay. Let Sorry. me explain why. Okay. So um, last year, if you recall, I know mm-hmm. that you will recall. I don't know if our listeners will recall. <laughs> I, I, you, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you saying I have a better memory than our <laughs> listeners? Cause that's, that can't be true. Well, I, I'm just, I'm just trying to pay, pay homage to the fact that I really botched Michigan state last year. I mean, just horribly like misguided. And I think, I wasn't the only one in terms of I, I know that you had Michigan State much, much higher than I did last year. Uh, you know, my my uh, sincere admiration for how Mel Tucker used the transfer portal to truly supplement the uh, the roster, you know, in terms of, you know, bringing in, you know, like somebody like Kenneth Walker. Uh, you know, who emerged as arguably the, the best running back in the country last year. And then uh, they were able to, you know, by and large, you know, be a, a top 10 team for most of the season. Um, my, I, I truly deliberated on this one. Like I, you know, in terms of like, I thought about putting Michigan state third. Um, but what did it for me when I was looking at the schedule, I, I think, Michigan State, I mean, I think they'll they'll be fine in their non-conference. They open up Western Michigan, they've got Akron, and then they go on the road to Washington. And I do believe, even though they're going on the road to Washington, that they'll win that game. Um, I think they'll be fine for most of it. What did it for me was the three-game stretch in October, starting with Ohio State, which is Ohio State's first road game, October 8th. Then they actually have Wisconsin. October 15th, they get a two-week break uh, before they have to play their their rivalry game at Michigan. Mm -hmm. I think the combination of those three games, even with that two-week break, I think that's going to be that's going to be a killer stretch. And I just don't know two straight games, even with a break in between, when you go Ohio State, Wisconsin, and then you know it's like I think those two games I think are going to take a lot out of anybody. And then to to play another what should be another physical contest against their rival. That's what had me drop the Spartans down to, to fourth. Okay. I went at number four with the Penn state Nittany lions. I have a, uh, I have a hard time seeing Penn state rising uh, back up this year. I mean, I think they, they're going to, they're still going to be a, a tough out. They're still going to play hard nosed defense, but I don't like the things that have been happening to that team's offense in recent years. And they went, I think two and six down the stretch last year, quarterback play has been an issue. It's been an issue really under James Franklin. And I don't know if that's going to be fixed. I, I don't know if he can, you know, get a good season long quarterback performance. And uh, there are people that I know that are Penn state fans that are not really believing in that team for like maybe for the first time, like people that always give me crap and Penn state's going to beat Ohio state and all of that. And they're not saying that anymore. And that's, um, that's a little concerning. 
No, valid reasons. Um, you know, I, I'll just jump in. You know, obviously I have, I had Penn State third. Um, I think all of your reasons, are, I, I completely understand them. Um, looking at the schedule, you know, like the fact, like Penn State, they actually are going to be on the road at Purdue, uh, you know, you know, for the, you know, like the Thursday night game of, you know, September 1st. Uh, and then they get, uh, they get Ohio U and they, they go on the road to Auburn. Um, you know, we'll see kind of what they're doing there. What has me kind of intrigued about Penn State, um, I'm not a big Sean Clifford fan, mm-hmm. but the fact that, okay, this will be his second year with Mike Yersich, uh, that, that they also have um, on the defensive side, um, Manny Diaz, the former Miami head coach who was kind of unceremoniously let go. They brought him in as Brent, uh, Brent Fry's, uh, re- replacement. Mm-hmm. And I think Penn state defensively, when you've got the return of, you know, defensive linemen like PJ Mustafer, uh, they have, uh, Joey Porter back at, in the secondary. Uh, I think Penn state, they, they may be better defensively than people, I don't want to say realize, but are probably giving them credit for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm basing that just on Manny Diaz's record as a defensive yeah. coordinator. Well, I think that it will be good defensively. I just don't know how good offensively they'll be. In fact, <laughs> uh, I just, I just don't believe it. I mean, I know Sean Clifford's another seventh year starter, uh, but um, I have, I, like I said, these Penn state fans that I know that always give me grief um, would rather see one of the younger quarterbacks play. Uh, well, uh, a name to to remember and a name to I don't want to say lament um, <laughs> is uh, Drew Aller. Um, you know, up by uh, this neck of the woods uh, from Medina, Ohio, uh, and everything that I understand, um, he grew up an Ohio State fan, and it was just one of these things where you know Ohio State was fully on board with Quinn Ewers. Uh, which basically, you know, Ohio state tried to, they did offer him, but, you know, at the time this was before Quinn Ewers decided he was going to transfer, you know, to, to drew Aller's credit. He mm-hmm. kind of looked at the situation. He's like, okay, yeah. You know, why should I go to Ohio state? If, if it's blatantly obvious that, you know, in terms of like who the future is. So he, uh, you know, he was offered by, I mean, you name it. I mean, he could have gone just about anywhere. Uh, he's definitely the future at Penn State. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, depending on how they're doing offensively, uh, you know, but to see him in some games, uh, you know, possibly like if, if Penn State's blowing somebody out. Well, he can't go anywhere he wants because he can't go to Texas because Quinn Ewers was named QB1 That's there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how Quinn Ewers is doing after week two. That's kind of, I think when, um, you know, like we'll see if uh, all the, if there's any bloom off the rose, so to speak, after uh, Nick Saban and and the you know Alabama defense, you know how how he's doing in that game because I think that's going to be a a rough rough outing for the Longhorns. Will the mullet rise to the occasion? <laughs> Survey says no. <laughs> All right, so you had Penn State at three. I had Michigan State at three. I believe in Mel Tucker. I believe that he can get his team to believe he's the Ted Lasso of the Michigan state Spartans. That, and that's not a bad person to be. I love what he's doing with the program. He just gets his kids to play hard. He does have one 
monster job this year, and that is to replace Kenneth Walker III. If he can do that, if he can get the that type of production out of the running game, I think this is going to be a tough, tough Spartans team. And, um, you know, I like Peyton Thorne. I like Jaden Reed. I think this is a, a team that can make some noise. And I, I like, I like Michigan state. I just, uh, I wouldn't bet against Mel Tucker, uh, after what we saw from him last year. In fact, I had a coin flip between Michigan state and my number two team, Michigan, because, okay. because they can win that rivalry game. They've done it a number of times. Yes, they have. And it might came, it might come down to that game to determine who finishes second in the Big Ten East. So I kind of flipped a coin there a little bit, and I'm not sure what, what we're going to see out of the running game for Mel Tucker's Spartans, but I've got them three, and I've just tipped my hand at that I've got the Wolverines at two. The Wolverines are going to be, you know, they're going to be feisty again. They've got that uh, – a little bit of their swagger back because they won the game for, you know, the first time in forever. And uh, yet they have a lot, a lot to do up in Ann Arbor. They have got to replace Aiden Hutchinson, uh, David Ojabo, uh, Dax Hill, Vincent Gray, Brad Hawkins. They've got a lot of that. Now they always seem to come up with good defensive players to replace departing defensive players, but, Man, those are some big defensive ends. Uh, those it's like replacing Joey Bosa. It's very difficult to do that. I agree. Uh, I think yeah, we're in agreement on this one. Uh, obviously, by process of elimination, yeah, I have the Wolverine second. Uh, you know, they have a very favorable non-conference schedule. I mean, they Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. Uh, I believe the possibility of them running the table until they get to Ohio state is certainly there. Um, you know, I think when it comes to um, at the quarterback position, I think it's going to be, you know, we'll see. I think that Cade McNamara probably will emerge as the starter, but I think JJ McCarthy is certainly doing everything he can to make that, that position battle. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a, a, a player that um, you didn't mention um, who, you know, in terms of that on the, on the running side of things, um, they have Blake corn back, but Hassan Haskins is gone and he definitely, he, you know, was a, a different type of runner than, than Blake Corum, you know, in terms of that big physical running style. I think that, like you said, I think there's some, some questions. They have the benefit of Ronnie Bell coming back from injury. They lost him for the entire season last year. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps their, I think that helps their passing game. Uh, you know, as far as the defense, I think you summarize it really well with the loss of the players. It's, it's a lot easier to, you know, you know, to say, oh, well, this guy is the next person up, you know, we're, we're still waiting to, you know, see, you know, we've been waiting on Zach Harrison to emerge as the successor, you know, like you said, you know, in terms of like, oh, like trying to lose like a Joey Bosa, a Nick Bosa, a, you know, Chase Young. It's not that it's, it's easier said than done. Um, but I do think that the schedule lends itself to uh, Michigan being in really good shape. I, I think going on the road to Iowa in October, um, that might be a loss, but I mean, they do get Penn state at home. They do get the rivalry game against Michigan state at home. And they're, they're going to be amped for that one, considering they've lost. I have lost chips microphone. 
So I will vamp a little bit while Chip uh, figures out his microphone. I hope he can hear me. Give me yes, a thumbs I up. Can. Okay. Oh, you're back. I'm back. Yeah. All of a sudden. Yeah. So where did I cut out? I don't remember. You were talking about um, the, oh, Michigan State. Uh, they're going to be amped up because they've they've uh, lost uh, however many in a row to Michigan State. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it, is that I think, you know, when it comes to the fact that Michigan, with the exception of going on the road to Iowa, obviously going on the road to Ohio State, mm-hmm. um, the schedule lends itself really well for the for the Wolverines. Can the defense play for Michigan as well? under a new defensive coordinator other than, uh, you know, with Mike McDonald gone. I think I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt simply because he is coming into a system that, um, that Mike McDonald had established and that he's familiar with from, you know, like they kind of the overlap with the, with the, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, previous coaching associations. So I'm going to, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Still got to call those plays the right way. Still got to. That's right. We know, as we are well aware, not everybody is uh, cut out to call the defensive plays. That's uh, that's truer words were never spoken. That's that's (laughs) right. Uh, And also, how dare you count out my Rainbow Warriors in that? uh, (laughs) Well, they they have to travel a long way. Um, You know that that's going to be you know, and I think I want to say that that's actually believe it or not. That's a night game uh, in Ann Arbor. Um, I think it's on the Big Ten Network on September 10th. Mm. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. All right. So by default, we both have the Buckeyes as winning the Big Ten East. Chip, why do you have the Buckeyes winning the Big Ten East? I I just think, I mean, they have the most talent. I think that the new defensive coaches are going to do what they can to maximize the talent on that side of the ball. Um, the schedule is tough, but I think in this, in this regard, I think it's actually going to help them be pre- prepared for the stretch run, uh, in November, you know, like, you know, so I think those, those are just some of the things off the top of my head. I think, you know, the big 10 network, they always go around looking at all the different schools and they, they just kind of just shake their head and they're like, same thing as, as, as usual. It's like, okay, the talent here is, is just head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah, I think that Ohio State will have the added benefit of a couple of things. One, I expect that they will have the benefit of a better defense. Even if it's not a top five or top ten defense, I feel like it will be vastly improved in a couple areas. Edge pressure, because that's why you go out and get a Jim Knowles, and turnover margin I think will improve this year. Then I also think that Ohio State's going to play with a chip on its shoulder this year. And you you get a team this talented to play with a chip on their shoulder, and that's how you get title runs. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, don't think- know, I don't know if this team will make a title run. I, you know, obviously we can't foresee everything, you know, the health of players and and you know, uh turnover at a key moment or a missed field goal at a key moment or whatever, but you know, this Ohio State team is going to be angry and going to want to welcome their rivals from up north uh, as with the most hostility they possibly can and uh, in the shoe. And I think I think I'm gonna, I think we're going to see a huge year from Jackson Smith and Jigba. But I also think we are not talking enough 
about what I think is going to be an outstanding year from Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. is is certainly going to be one of these players that I think is going to gain a lot of notoriety for all the right reasons. Uh, you know, we saw a glimpse of it, uh, you know, in the Rose Bowl, his performance sure. called upon. Uh, getting back to your point about, you know, having a, a chip on their shoulder, I think when it comes to the defense and I'm trying to temper my own expectations in terms of, you know, I, I mean, we joke about how coach day said, you know, a top 10. And then last mm-hmm. week, Jim Knowles basically is like, I see a top five and I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, in terms of like where they're going to finish in terms of the rankings, but I'm on I'm the belief, you know, when you talked about like having a chip on their shoulder that I think, there probably comes a point where the defense is just tired of being looked at as the weak link within that, within that program. And there are, I mean, I know that we, you know, like you were talking about, you know, better pressure and, you know, I think better coaching. And I think that those are all, but I think that there's like, finally, you just kind of, you know, you saw, or at least like I'm starting to, you know, when it comes to like with Jim Knowles, I think he's, he's, I think he's doing and saying a lot of the, the right things behind the scenes. And I think we're going to see that, uh, you know, laid out on the field very soon. When you can shave one second off of the time a quarterback has, that shaves a second off of how much, uh, how long a linebacker, a defensive back has to cover a wide receiver, a running back, a tight end. And it also cuts down on the quarterback's um, ability to make an one more progression. And I think just, just adding some pressure and, and, and I'm not just talking about the edges, but I think the edges is where it's been glaringly missing the last couple of years. I think Tyleek Williams is going to preside, uh, prevent, uh, prevent, present some up the middle pressure. Like we have seen in the past from Haskell Garrett and a few others uh, in the interior line, Tommy Togiai able to move uh, linemen back into the pocket. If you could do that, you change a passing game significantly. And anybody with a, I mean, if they had shaved one second off of what Michigan had to look at downfield last year, you know, I don't know how much that changes the outcome, but it certainly changes this final score a little bit. Yes. And another thing that has me excited defensively is the skepticism I had about using a four-two-five defense, um, you know, in terms of okay, you're talking about a, a, a conference where you know you have some, some very physical running style, you know, teams like Michigan, like Wisconsin, like Iowa, you know, that that that's kind of what they want to do. And from everything that I've read, is that Jim Knowles is inclined to possibly use a player like court Williams, who is a, an affinity for being very physical, uh, you know, in terms of like run support, uh, Lathan ransom as so like, you could still play that four, two, five, but kind of shade and disguise, mm-hmm. you know, have them move up as a, as a linebacker. So I, I think he, he being Jim Knowles, the, the creativity and, uh, you know, I think he he wants to make it more difficult on the opposition. I think like, okay, just because we're lined up this way doesn't necessarily mean that that, you know, like where you think the pressure is going to come from, like you just said, it could be coming from up the middle. It could be coming mm-hmm. from the perimeter. 
Um, and that's, you know, and I think the, the linebacker play, I'm, I'm expecting much better fundamental linebacker play, mm-hmm. you know, which also just helps the, the secondary immensely. Yeah. I would, I would like to see uh, what is going to happen. We're, we're going to get, I think a good look at some of that variety right off the bat against Notre Dame, because you, you're not going to be able to play vanilla in week one against the Notre Dame. You're going to have to, no. you're going to have to uh, mix things up and, and show some different looks. And uh, so it's going to be interesting. I can't wait next week. We're going to be preparing yeah. for that game, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. I'm, I'm just so pumped up for the season because you know, this there's just the expectations are always high, but now again, you've got so many new facets that you're going to be watching this year, especially with that defensive side of the football. So uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to Jackson Smith and Jigba just demolishing Ohio State's receiving record book. And um, yeah, let's get after it. Absolutely. Next <laughs> week. All right. Big 10 East predictions. Uh, we both had Indiana at seven and Rutgers at six and Maryland at five. You had Michigan State at four and Penn State at three. I had them flip flop Penn State at four, Michigan State at three. We both had Michigan at two and Ohio State at one. We are nothing if not very similar. Yes. And again, let us know where you disagree. You know, if, 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 if we overlooked something, let us know. Exactly. All right. Now we're going to tell you how you can do that. You can email us. We have our own dedicated email, silverbulletspod at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at silverbulletspod and on Twitter, there's no E in silver. So it's S-I-L-V-R bullets pod. And uh, Chip, where can folks find you on the internet? Well, I can be found on Twitter at Chip Minnick. My last name is spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. As I said earlier, uh, look for an article dropping on Land Grant Holy Land around 12 o'clock Eastern uh, with some thoughts on the recently signed Big Ten media contract. And I will be having uh, other articles that will be appearing at that time throughout the season. Um, and I also am an occasional contributor to Athlon Sports. I just had a series looking back at the 2019 recruiting class. All right. Pretty good there for a non-recruitnik. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> All right. We're going to have to go and look at Chip's story because he's not given exclusives on the Silver Bullets podcast anymore. He's, uh, he's making you go somewhere else to, for the content. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike36Fan. Uh, and you can also catch me on Land Grant Holy Land this fall, the Grumpy Old Buckeye. My columns will be landing Monday morning, I believe, is the slot that uh, those are going to run. And, of course, it's me just griping about all the stuff I probably shouldn't be griping about and a few things that I we, we should all be griping about. Well, that, but that's, that's, what, that's what makes that, that column that enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, you can decide which ones I'm really angry about and which ones I'm not. And uh, I think the score will dictate a lot of that. Certainly. Yeah, you win by 50 points, then you probably shouldn't take too much too much to heart. But uh, you lose or you, you win a nail-biter, maybe a few of those things are a little more serious. Understandable. All right, well, that's it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Silver Bullets podcast. Anything else you want to get off your chest, Chip, before we get out of here? No, just looking forward to watching some Big Ten football this coming weekend. 
you know, um, you know, on Fox, the Nebraska Northwestern game. And then I think the big 10 network later in the day for Illinois taking on Wyoming. We're, we're back week zero. It's not Ohio state, but we're, we've got big 10 football this coming weekend. College football is back. You can follow us all year long here on the silver bullets podcast. Make sure you're subscribed and um, you know, Maybe throw us a, a star rating. Tell us how we're doing and uh, write a review. And if you, you know what, if you write a five star review, we'll read it. We'll read it right here on the on the show. There you go. That's Absolutely, some incentive for you. Uh, it just takes a few seconds out of your day. Doesn't cost anything, and it helps us uh, get seen because you might have heard there are I don't know maybe three or four Ohio state football podcasts out there. <laughs> just a few. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we would, we would really appreciate that. We will be. Um, and if you do follow us all season, you can tell us at the end of the year, you can uh, make fun of us for our predictions. Uh, when we see how wrong we are, you can, you can get on chip for not believing in Mel Tucker enough again for the second. Again, straight year. Yes. Uh, and uh, we'll see, we'll see where everything shakes out. Next week, Chip, we will be back. We will preview Ohio State against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Can't wait. Wow. We are we are going to be given our predictions. We're going to be given our picks to click. We're going to be talking about the news of the week, I'm sure, with the, the lead up to uh, the first game. And, of course, getting week zero under our belts. We'll have plenty to talk about. And as we go through the season, here's what you can expect here on the show. We generally take a walk through the Big Ten results, talk about those, and we get you ready for our next game, uh, our next game, but we're not playing, but Ohio State's next game, our next game to discuss. And uh, we will do our best to try to get some folks on here that know a little bit more about those teams than we do, um, because we're not always experts on everything. You just feel like we are. (laughs) At least we try to be. (laughs) We do. We do try. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate being back. We appreciate Land Grant Holy Land for giving us a new home. Make sure you're checking out all the other shows on Land Grant Holy Land and checking out LandGrantHolyLand.com. That's really hard to say. I resent it every time, but (laughs) it is a good site. Uh, And, you know, maybe leave some comments under the stories. We need to get the comment section going, I think, on Land Grant a little bit. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I let's agree. get some discussion going. I mean, we we can't be lagging behind the Rutgers blog. <laughs> now, the, now the challenge the challenge has been thrown. I've thrown, yes, I've thrown down the gauntlet. Let's talk yes. a little bit about the Buckeyes, and maybe a good place to start is uh, Chip's story this Friday. I, I like I like it. If Chip some feedback on LandGrantHolyLand.com. All right, that'll do it. We'll be back next week. The only thing left for us to do, Chip is what we always say at the end, and that is, of course, Go Bucks. Go Bucks.